Good morning. I'm excited to be with you guys again today to worship the Lord. We're going to have a few things that we do as we are preparing <clears throat> ourselves to uh, be in the Word. In fact, let me go ahead and invite Harold Igo up here to the stage. Um, we're going to be talking about what you've already heard, Join the Team Day, and you will recognize if you're a guest with us that a lot of us are wearing football or other type of uh, memorabilia or clothing. This is not the norm for us that we always just deck out in Auburn and Alabama and a few stray others. Um, that's not the norm. <laughs> I'm not discounting those others. Those are good too. Um, but uh, what we usually do is just wear normal clothing. But today we're talking about joining the team. We're talking about being a part of the, the faith family in a way that we serve one another. And that's why I'm inviting Harold up here to start us off. Did you guys know that Harold Igo has been a servant here at this church since the, in one capacity especially as the treasurer since the year that I was born? Yeah. Yep. And uh, due to some timing, he just had a, he's, he's given enough in that particular role, and he's taken a step back. I want you to know that as he is kind of retiring out of that spot, um, as I know that you've struggled with for years thinking about when that time might come, uh, as he's retired out of that spot, it's taken eight other people to replace him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Eight other people. I, I said this joke earlier, too, though, that uh, I've known Harold for a long time. I don't, how, how old was I when, I when I bowled with him? 16? I'm asking my mom. She's in the crowd. So um, <laughs> I'm about 16 years old, so I've known you for quite a long time. Not quite as long as you've been the treasurer at 12th Street, but I've known you for a long time. And it only took one. I was the alternate on the bowling team for a good year, a bowling league, and Harold was a regular. And so it, it takes eight people to replace him as treasurer. It only took one person to replace him on the alley. So I just want you to know that that is possible to replace him in some things with only one person. But we are so thankful for him. Uh, he has done so much for us in a thankless job, a job that most people don't even know goes on or exists or what they even do. Uh, he has done great at doing that as well as being the secretary for our Sunday school and the director for that. Um, he, he's taken many, many hats that he's worn. And we just want to say thank you to him because through his service, he's shown the faithfulness, the sacrifice, and the long-suffering that it takes to serve to, as we want to emulate Jesus. And so we have a gift for you, Harold. Uh, this is a gift card for you. This is for your favorite barbecue joint, Dreamland Barbecue. I told him earlier he, he can only go when he takes me, though. Right? Deal? Yeah, Good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. All, yeah. all yeah, in case you couldn't hear, there you go. He said his wife didn't stand up. <laughs> but he said he enjoyed it. He enjoyed all those years of service, and we really much enjoy you. He's not going anywhere. He's just glad he gets to pick whatever service he wants to go to instead of having to come to both. <laughs> Let me take another minute before we get into the text today. If you would, look at one of the cards you received on the way in. It's got a whole list of things you can check, Mark. Uh, I want you to look at that real quick. We're going to cover that before we get into our time in the Word. Uh, join the team day. It's about joining the church. It's about joining and serving in the church. And we always are talking about serving those outside the faith family. Today, specifically, we're going to talk a little more about serving those inside the faith family. Uh, but we do that because of the way that God has served us in Jesus. And so I want you just to notice on this real quick. Let me explain how this works. You don't have to wait to the end of the service to fill this out. You should have been praying all week long during our week of prayer about what does God want you to do in order to serve our faith family. And if he's made 
something clear. We want you, don't wait on me. Go ahead and mark that down. We're trying to make it easy for you. Some of you say, hey, I love, I want to work in the children's team, or I want to work in the, in the greeters team. I want to work in the facilities team, or I want to work. If you know what team you want to work with, then on this left side here, you can select that team immediately. These are the different teams we have that are available. Um, and then also on the other side, if you don't know what team you want to be a part of, but you know what kind of skill sets or giftings God's given you, then you can select one of those on this side, such as teaching or facilitating, food service, singing, caring for babies. Listen, you may think you don't know what you could do. You may think, well, I'm kind of, I'm, I don't know if I could handle a whole lot. You say, listen, if you can't hold my little girl and, and rock her and sing about Jesus to her and pray over her, that's the easy job, right? Maybe change a diaper, maybe. Um, but if you, that's something easy you could do, right? There's a lot of need in our faith family to serve folks. And as God is bringing more and more people here, we have more and more need for volunteers to serve in the area. Now, let me say this. If you don't know exactly what you want to do, or if you don't know, but God's just said, hey, you need to serve, or you're just totally open, you say, I don't care wherever the greatest need is, that's my favorite. If you just don't care and you're like, I'm in wherever you need me for however long you need me there, there's a little mark on the bottom here that says, I just want to serve, Okay. Just clip that one, just mark that one, and on your way out, there's a little ballot box on your right. As you go out the door, down on the floor, just drop them right in that ballot box, and what we're going to do is call you, email you, make sure you put those contact information points up here, and we will get in touch with you. Now, this doesn't mean you're committing to 10 years in a ministry. You hear me? All you're doing is saying, hey, I feel like God might be leading me to serve. Here's some areas I'm interested in. Let's talk about it. Okay, that's all you're saying. And you're going to get contacted by somebody in these ministries or over these areas to have a conversation. That's all we're doing from this point forward. But here's what I want. You're going to hear about it now. You're going to hear about it at the end. All I want from all of us, anytime the Lord speaks, is for us to be obedient. That's what we want. So as he's worked in your heart or moved on you, we want you to think about how you're going to respond to that by saying yes, whatever way that is. Okay? All right. Good to go. Any questions? You're not going to ask it for all these people anyway. If you want to talk about it, have questions, come see me afterward. Otherwise, uh, let's get into our time together. If you haven't figured it out, we're talking about joining the team today, and we're going to do that from Philippians chapter 2. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1 and go through verse 11. I'm going to read through Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and then we will pray, and then we'll kind of jump right in. So are you ready? All right, the rest of you will catch up in a moment. Here we go. Philippians 2, 1 through 10. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own desires, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. 
Father, I thank you so much that you would love us, that even though we are rebels and those who have been against you and not been for you, Lord, that you would love us enough to send your son Jesus to not only come to this place to become one of us, but that he would come to die, to take the punishment that we deserve for our rebellion so that we might be brought into the family of God, your family, Lord. Thank you for sending us, Jesus. Help us, Lord, learn how we can serve one another the way that you have served us in Christ so that we might give you the glory and find our utmost joy and that we might do that again for those in whom we serve. And Lord, we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's get this out of the way really quick. It's joined the team day, and some of you are wearing jerseys that I'm not a real fan of. Early, in the early service, I tried to get my wife to stick around long enough, but the kids were acting a little, like, outside the box. I won't use the word crazy, but you know. And uh, so they wouldn't stick around, but I got to walk up holding the baby, and it went over really well, because people don't like to see me in orange and blue, maybe, from down there, but it looks really good when your daughter's wearing a cheerleader outfit from that school, and she's only one years old, right? So that's really good. So here's what we're going to do. I did it earlier. We're going to do it now. I'm just going to let you real quick get it out of your system because you've been saying it all morning to each other and you've been kind of smirking when other people are doing their team thing. So I'm going to let everybody say their team thing all at once. Don't scream it, but say it all at once, okay? Are you ready for that? We'll get it out of the way. Then we'll get back to Jesus. Are you ready? Okay, ready? So on three, you say whatever your thing is, like War Eagle, okay? Whatever it is. All right? All right. One, two, three. All right, good. Now that's out of the system, all right? Out of the system. Now we're back to the fact that we're all on Team Jesus, and we're all here because we believe there's something we need from Him to move us into being the people we're supposed to be. In fact, this overarching series that we're going through is How to Be Rich. We talked about last week that that does not mean we're going to get you a lot of money. It does not mean that you're going to be wealthy and healthy and wise just because you love Jesus, because Jesus died poor, naked, with a lot of shame being cast on him when he was on the cross. So how can we expect to be any different than the one in whose name we are called, right, as Christians, like Christ? So we're not here for that. We're saying that in Christ we'll find our ultimate fulfillment and our ultimate worth, riches beyond our wildest imagination, in him who is worth more than all the creation combined. And today we're specifically going to look at that in a way in which we're titling it, Go All In. So we're talking about serving the church. Let me give it to you in one big statement, then we're going to go back to the text and let it ring forth. Here's the statement. If you want to remember something today, this is the big statement, the thesis statement. Here it is. Go all in. I believe Paul's telling us to go all in and get rich by serving others like Jesus. Go all in serving others like Jesus. I think he's telling us that's how we get rich ultimately in this avenue is that we get rich by going all in and serving one another like Jesus. Now, that's going to be the resounding clanging gong throughout the entire sermon. So if you didn't get it now, you'll get it later. And I want you just to hang on to that while we walk into this text. Before we go back to Philippians, let me just read what I mean by that. Where do we get the get rich stuff from? Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he owns everything, right? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He set it all aside, right? He became poor so that, here's the reason why, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So that because of his coming for us in our place, by him laying aside all of his 
king, kingness. In the sense that he still was the king, but he served us as a king who wanted to serve us in the, in the biggest way possible. That he laid all that down at the feet of the Father so that he might serve us by going to the cross in our place. He stood condemned under the wrath that we deserve. And then he died having victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell so that we might be brought into the family of God and be brought onto the team, per se, so that we could be ushered into the kingdom to enjoy him forever. That we might be filled with the riches that come in the one who is the most valuable to ever have existed, Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. So let's go back to the text here. Look with me. Chapter 2 of Philippians. Paul's writing a letter to the Philippian Christians, and he says this. I'm going to walk through and kind of explain some things for the first several verses. So here, here we go. Number 1, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, this is not Paul saying, hey, if there might be some of this. This is an assumption that he's saying, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, these things are true for you. So you're just kind of bringing them to remembrance. Like, hey, if there's this going on, which there is, right? If there's this going on, which we know there is, listen, here it goes again. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, of course there is, if you're in Christ. Encouragement, he died for you, so you don't have to spend eternity separated from the love of the Father. If there's any comfort from love, yes, that kind of love is the kind of love I want to have and experience, right? The love of Christ, selfless, giving, sacrificial love. If there's any participation in the Spirit, well, yes, if any of us have been born again, if we believe fully on the Son, Jesus, then we have been born again and the Holy Spirit resides in us so that we are eternally connected to the Father through the Spirit, yearning for the day of the return of Jesus so we can go to be home with Him, right? So yes, there is participation in the Spirit. If there's any affection and sympathy, yes, of course there's affection for brothers and sisters because of the way that Christ has loved us. Of course there's sympathy for what they're going through. There's empathy even. So if there's any of that, here's what Paul says to them. This is the command in the first four verses that dominates everything. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. In other words, complete my joy by being unified in mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That last couple of phrases modify what it means to be of one mind. In other words, having the same love, being in full accord and full agreement and of one mind. Then he says this, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Listen, do nothing from rivalry. In other words, selfish ambition is another way you could, you could translate that. Don't do anything out of being selfish and trying to promote self to get ahead, right? He says, don't do anything from rivalry or conceit. That word for conceit is a really cool word, actually. It's kenodoxia, which doesn't really matter to you so much probably except this. It means basically, or vain glory is how it be translated in your King James Version. In other words, empty glory. Okay? In other words, out of your pride in which you should have none, because there's nothing that, that, that's that great about us, right? Do nothing out of your own pridefulness because we are weak, we are broken, we are failures, we are not up to what we think we are. So he says again like this, Do nothing from rivalry or selfish ambition or conceit or empty glory of self, but in humility, here's the flip side, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Another Greek thing here, right? That word interest is a filler word. It's not really in the Greek language here. So in other words, what he's really saying is let each of you look not only to his own 
but also to that of others. In other words, you could insert anything. Don't look only to your own property, but look to take an interest in the other people's properties around you. In other words, like this, like when he says, let each of you not look only to his own finances, but also to the finances of others. Let each of you not look only to your own health, but to the health of others. Let each of you look not only to your own education, but the education of others, to your own feeding of self, but to the feeding of others as well. It's just anything that you could have an interest for yourself in, you're to think of others more significant than yourselves. In verse 5, he gives another command here. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And that's some strange wording. Let's talk about it for just a second. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus was fully God, became fully man. There's not just being in the form we think of in that way. This word for form means that in the same way, in the same like image, he's in the same persona. He is fully God. In the same form as God means in the same substance as God the Father. Okay? As we talk about the Trinity, there's three persons one essence, okay? He's saying here the same essence, the same form, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be held on to, to be holding on to for the sake of self-gain, is that terminology there. So in other words, that he did this, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to for self-advantage, right? But made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see this here if you go back and look at verse 3 again? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty glory. But we see here in verse 6 that Jesus Christ, though he deserves all the glory, he's in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be about his selfish ambition. Right? He laid it aside, it says, verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being found in the likeness of men, and, of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If we look at Jesus as the perfect one to whom we are to be like, which is the case, we're supposed to be conformed to his image, to be like him in all ways. In fact, when he returns and he wipes away all the sin, we will then be completely free of our sinful desires that, that break us away from that conformity, and we will be just like him in who we are, what we do, in our morality, and our desires, and our wants, and we see we'll be just like him. So if that's the case, if we are made in his image, then in this particular case, what we understand then is that he's talking about serving others and thinking of others more than thinking of self as Jesus has done already. That's what we should be like. So when I say go all in and get rich by serving others like Jesus, I'm being serious about that's what it means to be a Christian. If you're not serving other people, then you're not really being like Christ. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm saying if you're not serving others, you're not being like Jesus was. His whole life on this planet was him stepping out of eternity in his full godness, being king of the universe, Stepping in to become one of us in order to serve us in the most menial, degrading way you could possibly imagine to go from king of the universe to one who would die on the cross in our place in order to bring us into his family. That's the service we're talking about here. His whole mission was serving others. 
Now, if we're not serving others, we're not being like him. It's just, that's just logical. So what is the way in which we can become more like him? Now, I'm not saying you're a bad person because really the Bible says that all of us are bad people. There's no one righteous, no one good except God alone. So the scriptures say, but we like to look at each other and talk about how, oh, they're good people, they come from a good family, right? But really we know that that's not truly the case in the sense of being compared with God, that's just being compared with other people in our area, which the bar is set pretty low, right? Because all of us have broken commandments. We're all rebels and failures and, and criminals in that sense, broken the law of the Lord. But we see here, Jesus never did. He fully gave himself over to the glory of the Father and serving us, even those of us, all of us who are rebels, who are against him and against the Father. So how do we become someone who serves like Christ? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to see in this text, I think, some pointers about how we can do that. So let's just go back to the beginning here. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to see how Paul's telling the Philippians to do it. Then we're going to see how Jesus has done it. Okay, so how we're commanded to be like Jesus. Let's go back and see verse 1 and 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Go down to verse 5. Here he says it again. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Listen. The first thing you have to do if you really want to serve like Jesus is you have to change your mind to the mind of Christ. You have to change your mind to the mind of Christ. You have to switch. You have to set your mind to become like his mind. You have to have a change of mind. Nothing within me makes me want to serve others more than I serve myself. Nothing of of my own self makes me want to do that. I'm all about self-preservation. Now, some people do serve other people like that because... Usually it gives them a, self, a sense of fulfillment or because they, they just want to be known as a nice person. But there's nothing within most of us, I would say, that would be completely selfless in wanting to serve others in and of ourselves. We have to have our mind changed and set to become like Jesus. So how do we do that? The first thing we have to do in doing that, just so you know you get some extra room there in your notes, here's some help. The first thing you have to do is you have to set your face toward Jesus. You do that through reading scripture, through praying, asking for God to change your mind, to transform your mind, to to change how you think, to change what you desire, to ask him to do those things, to set your heart and the mind on Christ. So reading of the scriptures to understand who Jesus is, to understand who God is, and ask him to help you. That's how you begin to change. You start, anytime you change anything, right? If you want to change what you're doing, the first thing you do is stop everything else you're doing. Right? Anything going in the opposite way, you stop. You reorient yourself to what you need to be doing or want to be doing, and that's turning and setting your eyes on Christ. And then you want to know who he is, so you study that person, right? If I want my heart to fall in love with my wife every morning, the first thing I need to do when I see her is to adore her, to stare at her, to, to ask, like, how can I serve her? What can I do to help you? If I want to be a selfless, loving husband, I need to turn towards her and reorient myself. The same with the Lord. You turn towards him and you say, let me understand you a little better. How can I serve you better today? How can I love you back because you first loved me? Right? It's a constant work. And you can't change your insides. No matter how hard you shake your head, right? it doesn't change anything, right? 
No matter how hard you get up and try and try on your own of power, you can't do it. But the one who owns the whole universe that created all things was speaking it into being, ex nihilo, to bring it out of nothing, that one can change you from the inside out. That's why he says, if you know Christ, there's a participation in the Spirit who lives within you, who's already at work in you to change you. So changing your mind means going to the Lord, asking Him to change you, putting your thoughts in heart, setting them on Jesus. Secondly, here's secondly, let me go ahead and give you the point here. Secondly, you need to empty yourself of your empty glory. You're going to get this in a second, okay? Empty yourself of your empty glory. Just write it down, and we'll come back to it here. Go back and look at verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or selfish ambition or conceit. That word means vain or empty glory. To glory in something is to lift it up and exalt it and to make it top. So when I say empty yourself of your empty glory, I'm saying when you elevate self and you're conceited and that pride is, like, is up there like that, when you're thinking of how great you are and how wonderful you are or how much other people are worse than you, that's the same thing, or how much other people are so great, or listen to this side, let me throw the curveball to you, or if you're like, oh, I'm the worst person ever, I'm such a horrible person all the time, I'm like the worst, I'm, just, I'm so horrible, I wish I could do better, man, nobody loves me, I wouldn't love me, who's it all about still? Me, Right? If you're doing those things, what you're really doing is you're pointing to your own glory. Either it's lackluster in the negative, or it's beauty in how you're presenting self or thinking of self. And what we see according to God's law is that all of us fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So none of us have any glory to be exalting in self. So here, what he says in verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit or vainglory, I'm saying you need to empty yourself of your empty glory. Look at verse 7. In fact, go 5, 6, and 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here we go. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. If the creator of the universe, the one in whom, by whom, and for whom all things were created, and, and, and the one who holds and sustains all things... If that one made himself nothing, then we have a lot of things to empty out of our own hearts and heads about ourselves. Amen? If he would take the form of a lowly servant, a slave, did you know that this terminology about humility was actually, until the New Testament came about, it was always had a negative connotation? Because it was only talked about in relationship to what a slave would do to be humble. Everybody else in that world at that time was pretty much saying it's time to be prideful. You've got to look at self and macho yourself up or you've got to act like you've got it all together. You've got to talk about it like you're it. Everybody else, to humble yourself would be slave activity and that's below you. Okay? Now, things haven't changed much, I don't think. But here Jesus has modeled for us that we should love one another and serve one another like we are enslaved to one another in a way of loving somebody that fiercely and serving that fiercely. You have to empty yourself of that empty glory first. Change your mind to the mind of Christ, which not really you can do, only God can do as you seek Him, and then empty yourself of that empty glory. Ask God, show me where I'm prideful. Man, that's a scary prayer. He will show you. 
because he loves you. And he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So when you ask for God to show you what's wrong with you so that you may repent and believe in Jesus, he usually shows you those things. So change your mind to the mind of Christ. Empty yourself of your own empty glory. Listen, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, this passage you all know, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, or the word really is translated meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Meekness does not take away from the power of Christ. Fully God, fully man, all-powerful, serving as one of us, okay? He lays himself down under the authority of the Father and says, I will only do what the Father shows me to do. I only do what I see the Father doing, right? He totally submits to the King, his Father. Matthew 5, 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We too then, that means that's not just saying those who are extra meek get to inherit the earth and be the kings over the earth. That's not what that means. It means that those who will own the earth, in other words, those who are brothers and sisters with the owner of the universe, who are co-heirs, all those who are believers in Christ are those who will be meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. If you are brothers and sisters with Christ, you will look like Christ and you will submit to the Father and serve him and everyone else that we can. I think what he's saying here is you've got to go all in and be serving others like Jesus. Look, this third one's going to be the hardest one. So I'm going to ask. You ready for it? Okay, this is the hardest one. Here we go. Look at verse 4. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. In other words, let each of you look not only to your own whatever in the Greek, to your own whatever you might have, but also to the other people's needs in that way, right? Then he says in verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we don't have to die for all eternity. He took all the wrath that the Father owes us for our sinfulness, for our falling short of the glory of God. All the wrath, he took it all for us so that we don't have to pay the price for that. He sacrificed himself in our place so that we don't have to endure that wrath, that punishment for all eternity. Instead, we get to be with him in everlasting life and joy because when he looks at us now, he sees the blood that his son poured out for us that's wiped away those transgressions, but he's already paid the penalty that we are cleared in full from that penalty. You see? So he did for us what he didn't have to do for even himself. That's serving in such a way that he would serve to the point of death in a way that serves others better than he's even taking care of himself in that way. You understand? And then he relaxes it a little bit for us at some point. He says, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, you can love yourself too, right? But you've got to love other people just as much. So here's... But I think I'll put it in today's vernacular that I've had to chew on all week. Here's how we'll say it. If you really want to go all in and serve others like Jesus has called us to do, then you have to kill your consumerism by serving others more than you serve yourself. It's a fight. 
You have to kill your consumerism by serving others more than you serve yourself. You're going to chew on that for a little while. Let me just kind of break it down the way that I've been dealing with it personally. We live in a sea of consumerism that we don't even recognize, like fish in water don't know they're in water. We live in a sea of consumerism that we recognize in some ways and other ways we don't. And I'll say it to you like this. It used to be that everybody under a certain age wouldn't make a commitment to be a part of some kind of upcoming event until right before it because something else might pop up better. But now it's across all age groups statistically. If you want to get the best participation out of people, you don't give them two months' notice. You give them like a few days' notice. Because otherwise, there's just too much going on, and it's in and out of their minds so fast that they don't even think about it anymore. Oh, yeah, that was coming up. I forgot about that thing. And people have so many choices that we don't even know how to choose something that we really want to do because there's too many choices to make. We're not sure if something else is going to come up that we need to do. I need to keep this part clear just in case. But if, if I'm still free at that last minute, I'll go do that thing. That is a problem of our consumerism. And it's not just our faults because we're like super like into consumerism. It's just how we've been kind of conditioned by the world around us. And it is our fault, but it's also just the society we live in. What I'm telling you is that if you really want to serve as Jesus served us, you've got to kill that consumeristic mentality, and it takes work. John Owen, one of my favorite old dead guys, right? I've quoted him before. He says, best be killing sin before sin be killing you. You've got to work to kill the sin within you. Kill the consumerism that takes all this being about me, 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 and turn it to being about serving others, 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 others. And the crazy part is, is although the world says you're happy if you get what you want, when you actually serve other people, you find more joy in that, especially as the king gets the glory. Because as we serve others, if we're serving others but not giving the glory to God, it's actually not doing really what it's intended to do. It's putting the glory on us. Oh, look how nice of a person they are. Look how selfless they are. Look how well they serve. Look how committed they are to doing good things for other people. No, 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 no. I'm not. He has done good things. So therefore, I'm loving him back because he first loved me. That's the difference, right? You've got to point it to the Father. It's got to be put there because that's how you empty yourself of the vainglory. You give it the glory all to the Father who deserves it. Kill your consumerism by serving others more than you serve yourself. Listen, Romans 15, 1 through 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Whoever, Jesus talking to his disciples, whoever will be great among you must be your servant. Whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The one who deserves to be served, the king, says he didn't come to, to be served, but instead to serve. If we really want to be like Jesus, we've got to go all in and serve others like Jesus. So here's the three things you have to do. Those last three little dots there. These are things you have to do as you lean into Jesus. Okay? And it's not hard when you remember what Jesus has done for you already. If you're not careful, you're going to do this and try to earn your way in with God, and that's not how it works. You're not going to earn God's favor just because you serve on some team or because you do something nice for somebody. Jesus has earned all of God's favor for you on the cross. You don't have to do anything else for God to love you or accept you or to want you. You're wanted, loved, and accepted because of Jesus. But now we're going to serve him back because he first served us. Because if he's really made a difference in your life, you're going to love him back because he first loved you. You understand? But here's how we do it. It takes these things. 
Number one, or A, it takes sacrifice like Jesus. It's hard. It's not easy, and it's not always fun. And it may interfere with our consumeristic tendencies when you commit to serve in a certain way. It takes sacrifice. Jesus did it, obedience to the point of death, right? That's what it just said here, obedience to the point of death. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It takes sacrifice. Secondly, it takes being faithful like Jesus. You cannot really serve well if you don't serve faithfully. So let me say it like this. If you mark a little thing on your card and you want to serve, let's say, I don't know, let's pick one. Uh, you want to serve on the tech team, okay? You serve on the tech team. You're like, man, I love the tech team. I can't wait to be on the tech team. This is what God's told me to do. I'm really in. Or maybe just like, I don't really want to do it, but God said to, so I'm going to do it, right? Whatever it is, if you're not faithful to that, then you're not serving like Jesus. When you make a commitment to serve in some way for some length of time, be faithful. Jesus was faithful. Aren't we glad he was faithful? Amen, right? It takes commitment, sacrifice, faithfulness. Thirdly, it takes long-suffering. You have to be long-suffering like Jesus. You have to sacrifice, be faithful, be long-suffering like Jesus. Look, just to give us some pictures real quick. We already talked about one with Harold. I'm going to talk about a couple of other people in our faith family who have served in ways, and, and most of them don't know that it's coming, okay? So just... Don't embarrass them later. Well, you can if you want to. I like to embarrass people. Um, But I'm going to talk about a few people that have exhibited these kind of characteristics. They've sacrificed for our faith family. They are faithful to our faith family, and they are long-suffering. They're committed to serving in those ways. Here we go. Here's a few real quick. Um, One of those is Tanner Griggs. You know Tanner? That little guy, man. He helps. I say little guy. He's a young man. He helps run PowerPoint for kids' worship at both the early and late services, helps younger kids with crafts, and is on the kids' worship team to help uh, dramatize our Bible lessons every week. Okay? Commitment. He doesn't just go to one service in Sunday school. He goes to worship, Sunday school worship, serving back there. How about Austin and Olivia that serve in our student ministry? These guys are committed. Every Wednesday night, they show up early to arrange and set up the whole student environment so that our students are as impacted as possible with the gospel, to engage the eyes and ears of the students. These are servants. I'm not trying to point them out to lift them up alone here. I'm saying we point them out to say, look at these people who are emulating Jesus. Paul says that, hey, do what I do because I'm following Jesus, right? That's what we're pointing out here. There's a few more of these. Lisa Frazier, you know Lisa, right? Lisa serves in several ways. Uh, the other day, she had a Sunday morning where she had to go speak about something at a church, and her and her children decided, as Stephen was already doing some things here all morning, they decided that they just could not stand to be without their faith family on a Sunday morning. So they came here to be here for 30 minutes and then had to leave just so they could be with their faith family because they're that committed to the faith family, right? I, mean, I, I can't say I'd even do that, right? I'd hope I would, but that's, that's, that's faithfulness. Don Martin. He serves back here in our tech team, does the soundboard. Did you know, he came to run sound the other day when he was at the ER from 1 a.m. until all the way through the morning, went and dropped off his kid who was sick, had been at the ER, and then came back to serve because he had made a commitment to do so. That's, that's faithfulness and sacrifice, isn't it? Went without sleep, left his family at home to sleep, brought one of his kids back with him to do that. Embarrassed this guy, Terry Clayton. Shows up every month at 6 a.m. to make breakfast for a bunch of guys. 
my wife does that for me, but I bet no other guy in this place would do that except Terry, <laughs> right? He does that. And anytime we need anything done around here to fix something, do something, he's one of the team that does that. He works on stuff. He's helping to put these lights in that we have. We're, doing, we're putting in new lights in different places. What about we celebrated last year Linda Roberts, who's faithfully served our church and our faith family musically for over 50 years now. 50 years, right? Sacrificially, faithfully, long-suffering. You know to work with some of us in this room, it's long-suffering to do that for 50 years. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> 50 years. Harold Igo, 40 years. We've talked about him already. Listen, you know in the Old Testament, Joshua 4, they get through crossing over the Jordan where they're coming into the promised land, and what happens? They get through doing that, and God tells them, he says, hey, take 12 stones out of the riverbed and bring them over here and stack them up so that when your children come by here with you later on, they're going to say, hey, why are those stones stacked up? And you say, that's because of God's faithfulness to us, that he used faithful people like Moses and like Joshua who were failures and sinners. And he showed himself to be faithful above and beyond by using those people to bring us into the promised land. That's God's faithfulness right there. You remember these stories? There's plenty of stories like that in the Old Testament. Several times that happened. We have one of those such times here right now, actually. We've made some changes recently. You probably noticed. With the permission of the Stone family, we took the cross that they had donated, which was right here, that actually that, that Bill and Marion, if you don't know this story, okay, Bill and Marion, when they got married, they both have had spouses who went to be with Jesus um, early on our account, but not early on the spouse's account, right? Lisa and Ed, who went to be with the Lord. And then when Bill and Marion got married, they donated a cross they had made for the, ultimately to glorify the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but also in memory of their spouses, Ed and Lisa. And it was the first cross we had on the wall back here. And uh, we, we talked with them, and they gave us permission to take that cross and put it on the wall right outside here. You'll see it if you didn't notice it today. It's out there on the wall. And so that when everybody walks in the whole way down the hall, they're going to see that, which is, first of all, points to Jesus and his sacrifice for us, but also points to the glory of the faithful service of those whom God has loved and taken home already. Okay? It's an Ebenezer, the Old Testament word for that, right? So when you see that, you're going to remember the sacrifice of others who have served, like Ed and Lisa. Some of you know Ed. <laughs> he became a follower of Jesus, like, just months after he got married to Marion here in this church, not in this particular location, served as a deacon faithfully. He served people that other people didn't want to serve sometimes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, some of you are those people, <laughs> right? Um, he's also served in so many ways that it's it just magnanimous ways that he pointed to Jesus. I mean, he, I, I know my dad spoke of Ed when he would go down the aisles and talk to people and pray with people at the end of services about how Ed did the same thing. He revitalized the men's ministry prayer breakfast. He took care of of a lot of people, loved a lot of people, and a lot of people know him as a servant, right? And Lisa, you may not know, but Lisa was a servant in her own right, in the same, same idea, different ways. She served children on, in missions and music. She served in pray, uh, on worship teams and choirs. She served faithfully in the churches where her and Bill served over the years together before she went to be with the Lord. And so when we look at that cross that's been placed out there in a prominent place, when people walk in to see that, we see that and say, man, that's the kind of faithfulness that we want to, to show our Lord and Savior. Now, Ed and Lisa would tell you, I'm sure, don't point to me. It's not about me. That's the kind of people they were, right? Because they love Jesus. They said, I don't have this empty glory. It's all about his glory. And we want to point to him. So when you see that, you ultimately think of Jesus, and that's what they want. And we're going to have those kind of things around our faith family sometimes in our building to point to the glory of the Lord in the faithful service of his people. 
look, we, we are so thankful for those of you that serve already. Some of you have served for, for decades. They haven't mentioned today. And we're so thankful for you. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. And as we seek the Lord and ask him what to do, what I want you to respond in is the thing that I always want you to respond in. And look, listen, let me just, if there is anything that we get, talked about it last week, if there's anything we get over the time that God allows me to be here with you as your lead pastor, the one thing I want us to get and I want us to grow in more than anything else is I want us to always respond immediately to the movement of God as he tells us to do something or leads us to do something. And to do so with expediency and to do so with joy. So whatever it is he calls us to do, immediately we do. Our answer should always be the way that I was brought up, didn't always do, but the way I was brought up, most of you too, is that when somebody in authority tells you to do something, it's always yes, sir, right? Or yes, ma'am. And that's how we should respond to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you today, how are you going to respond to the king? If you've been praying this week about what I can do, how I can serve, and maybe you think, I have nothing else I can do. You know what? Maybe you can go care for some babies by holding some babies and sing Jesus to them and pray over them while they sleep. Maybe you can do something else. Find something where you can serve. If God's moving on to you, find a place you can serve. We'll help you find it. Just say, I just want to serve. Find a place where you can serve and give yourself back because Jesus has given you life. Give it back to him for his glory. Look, I'm going to pray over us. The way I'm going to pray is this. I'm going to read through this passage one more time as a doxological like exclamation. I'm going to praise the glory of God through his scripture as a prayer for us on behalf of all of us. And then we're going to stand up and sing a song again. And if you need to have somebody to pray with you, I'll be standing down here during that time or after. If you need to have somebody to talk with you about membership and joining this faith family and that part, I'll be down here for that during this time and after as well. If you just need to deal with God where you are, do it. Don't put him off. Say, yes, sir, right now, whatever you want. And that's what we want to do. But I'm going to do this by praying. So you, you guys close your eyes. We're going to get ready for music while I begin to speak. Close your eyes. It's dangerous. I say close your eyes in a group after this long and listen to me talk. I understand, okay? Focus your mind and your heart on the words I'm about to exclaim from Scripture. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or selfish ambition or conceit or vainglory. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Listen, church, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. May it be this for us today, Lord. May it be for your glory, may it be for our joy. Help us to serve others so that you receive all the praise. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.